filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Ladies and gentlemen, Wine, Wall, and Dragons, episode five in the books with my with me on the phone, my man Dan O'Brien. Dan, just you and me, like for the first time in like three weeks. How you been? How you doing? You ready to do this? Good old friends, just the two of us. I love Cindy. Pulling in for me two weeks ago, and I loved her as a uh, a little trifecta last week. Um, but it feels nice. It feels comfortable. It right. Feels warm for just you and us. Getting back. Getting yeah. back to the original, the original wine wall and dragons. It's a filibuster freestyle. It's your buddy Gavin. Dan's already been introduced. And let me introduce a quick theory from listener, pundit, and current filibuster freestyle fantasy football reigning champion Dan Ruddle, which is. Going back to last week's episode, really quickly, there was a a ghost of Catelyn Stark slash Lady Stoneheart for those book listeners out there, citing very brief at Winterfell during the Arya and uh, Brienne of Tarth jousting kind of sparring scene, not jousting, but swordplay, if you will. Um, and so, just wanted to one give Dan Brettel props for being you know internet trolling and for hitting pause and. For letting us know about it and hitting us with some potential truth or foreshadowing, but uh, your your thoughts on that, Dan? Go ahead. Sorry. So he's our research team, our researcher. He's the actual crack research team. Exactly. Yeah, we finally have one. That's nice. Um, but yeah, tell him tell him what he came up with uh, or that that he, he found on the internet. Well, apparently, you know, if you look at the archway very briefly, a person walks by in the middle of kind of the right after. Uh, Arya says, you promised my mother you'd serve both of her daughters. And right. that is when this, this, this being, this person walks by with long, curlyish, maybe red hair, wearing dark you know, clothes as everybody in Winterfell does. Could be anybody. Could be a complete mistake. Could be someone from craft service team. I mean, who knows? Right. And, and Dan apparently enhanced it like this is a Bruder film and confirmed that the, the figure had, had red hair and he claims that it was a dark green cloak, which are both associated with with a character from that we remember from long ago. Her name was Cat Cat Stark. That's right. Maybe. That's we right. Haven't, we haven't seen her in the show since the Red Wedding episode. Right, which I believe is season four. So it's been a while. And actually, let's use that shout out to Dan Ruddle because I, I think time will tell on that one. There's no point in really jumping into it right now or not. But a good find. Fair let's use the distant, long not seen characters opening to say. Our, our boy Gendry showed up tonight. Hero of the episode, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, my man can really swing a battle axe like his dad, Robert Baratheon, who he's very proud to be the son of. Yeah, oh yeah, he had great, he had great scenes tonight. Uh, he was the he was the star in every scene he was in, with a couple unexpected surprises, and I don't know if we want to get into Yeah, you know, now. let's just give Gendry his due real quick. Yeah. Um, or is it, it's, said, it's actually Gendry. Uh, that's no, what Davos said. Gendry, and I'll say Gendry. It'll be like Gif versus Chiff. Uh, we'll just cover all our bases. Yeah, it's either Gendry or Gendry, and we're going to take care of business. But I just liked how uh, I assumed that when Davos said he had business in Flea Bottom, like he was going to go to a house of ill repute. What a jerk. Of course your boy Davos was going to find Gendry. How dare you. Davos is from Flea Bottom. He knows what's going on. Um, yeah, so Gendry comes in. He's swinging the act, or he's swinging the, making the hammer. Fire. Swinging the hammer, and like he's 
quite honestly, listen, he, he wasn't a huge character in the last... It's not like he was the, the star of any scene in previous seasons. He's been away for a couple of seasons, two, three, four. Um, so when he came back, I'm not expecting a ton. I was like, oh, that's Gendry. How about that? But then he has, like, he drops these lines, like, uh, when Davos starts, like, oh, it's time to go. And all of a sudden, he's like, all right, let's do this. I'm ready. My bags are packed, literally. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. Second, in that... In that same scene, when it's like, you might want to grab one of the swords. Nope, I don't do swords. I have a hammer, just like my dad. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, God, I loved, I loved that scene. It was fantastic. And he carried those uh, little unexpected surprises in every scene he was in. Uh, from killing those two guards by swinging a hammer in their heads. Yep. Awesome. Uh, and then, uh, Is what was it, the last he talks, Well, he talks smack to... Um Mirror Thoros, Thoros of Mirror at the end, and he also the most important was Davos said, "All right, Jon Snow doesn't need any beef with like who your dad is, and he's this is he's like you're going to be Clovis or whatever." And he's like, "Nope, I'm Gendry. Robert Rathie is my dad. You're short." <laughs> um, Another wink to the viewers. Let's party and uh, let's have instant chemistry. Instant chemistry. Oh, one hundred percent. I will also say unpopular prediction. I don't think I think. Gendry came in so flaming hot in all his episodes. Bye. Exactly, such a likable character. I don't think he's going to be around too long here. But right? a great way to just get him back into the fold. Now, the other thing that makes – I'm just going to go maybe a little bit of stream of consciousness tonight and just try to keep it rolling. How about the – there was one bombshell tonight, I thought. I mean there were several like potential bombshells, but – We probably have the same one, I assume. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Cersei's pregnant. Cersei's pregnant. For the fourth yeah. time by her twin brother, Senior Jamie Lannister. Out of the blue. I mean, those two just have chemistry. When it's right, it's right. What are you going to do? Say what you want. I mean, they've had they've had intercourse. I'm just going to say it like that. Several times in the last seven seasons. Tommen was 11, which means they haven't conceived in like 18 plus years. But, or maybe whatever, 12, 15 years. But by the grace of the, the, seven, the seven septons or whatever... <laughs> Cersei's with child. Pick, you can't pick who Cupid points his bow at. You know, if you know, it's you know, sometimes it's your brother or sister, apparently, and they're very prolific in their mating. What a really interesting way, because Jamie had no. I mean, Jamie was basically done with Team Cersei, but for it is his twin sister, he does love her. And what a way to pull him back in. Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. It's like, is this an episode of Ballers or is this an episode of King's Landing? I don't know which. It's like the Real Housewives of King's Landing all of a sudden. Before they really, they did a nice job of setting that scene up too. Because before he was, before like before she mentioned or alluded, they said that she was pregnant. Uh, I I thought I was like, is he? Is this the scene, or is this leading up to the scene where he kills her, as has been alluded in prophecy? Mm-hmm. And what if you go back, you know, episode whatever, you know, season three, that there's a, a theory that Jamie's the one. If you follow the prophecies that her kids are going to die and whatever, that Jamie's the one that takes her out. And it, I started to think, like, is he, like, seeing that she's crazy now and that she's a liability? And then all of a sudden, she whipped him right back, which leads me stream of conscious to say, do you think she's really pregnant? Okay, well, number one. Could that be it? Could it be it? We've all, we've all had friends who've been down that road before um, in, re- in the real world, let alone Westeros. Um, number two, what if this is just, like, me rolling way out there. Okay. But I want to be the one who says it at you know ten seventeen in the east on the Sunday that it aired. Um, what if 
she dies giving birth to that fourth child, and therefore Jamie kind of did kill her. The way that Tyrion killed her mother, by he was born, he killed her during childbirth too. I don't, that would be a very passive way of fulfilling the prophecy, sure. Hey, um, the lady's a, she's a sightseer. She's not a magician, you know? Anyway. I feel like George R. R. Well, actually, he's not. He's right. out of this now, unfortunately, okay. right? Anyway. All right. Let's, and that, the, the biggest bombshell of the night, I thought, was that uh, the Cersei pregnancy, alleged pregnancy. Um, Real quick before we move on from that. Yeah. What are the chances of that pregnancy coming full term? I don't need mean to be morbid, but oh yeah, I mean that's what I mean. There's so many, there's so many ways to die and or have a miscarriage or any. I mean, I'm not trying to get into the or it may be fake. She may be fake. Or, right, that's, the, that's the point. So you're basically saying, do we even have the nine and a half, ten months to incubate this baby? At the rate we're moving, probably not. We're moving so fast right now. No, and that's that's more of it. But I feel like that the chances of us actually seeing a birth, us, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I think it's low. Right. Okay. Well, let's let's just go back to the beginning of the episode now that we've talked our way into a bunch of OBGYN stuff that we hadn't planned to get into earlier in the night. Neither of us are qualified. Not even close. I mean, we both are good at several things. We're mediocre at more things, and we're really bad at that. And you were just going to leave it alone, but. Bron, of course, dragged Jamie in his own suit of armor. And in Jamie's suit of armor, what is he? Baywatch, Westeros, Mitch Buchanan? He's, it's like the most daring lake rescue I've ever seen in my life. So, Jamie's- yeah, I can't swim with sneakers on. And you have Jamie Lannister is in full armor with sword and chainmail, And Bron is dressed like Joan Jett in leather. And they were coming up from 20, 20 leagues under the sea. Mm-hmm. A, a pretty long river, it looked like. I, I don't buy it. I buy dragons. I don't buy their swimming ability. I was going to say, um, I'm going to buy dragons first over their ability to swim. Not even Baywatch was as brazen. That's all I'm saying. Um, and they had me believe that Pam Anderson would actually work on a beach as a lifeguard. Okay, so that being said, um, I did like how Bron said dragons are where our partnership ends. Great quote. But then it's not where it ends. So, not, like he legitimately, that was... Where the, the, the biggest part of that partnership occurred is when he saved him from a dragon, and he's still working with him. So okay, yeah. So uh, they took- he's, a little, he's a little light in between. Uh, people, everybody likes Bron, even though he's a sellsword and not really a great person. Correct. He's a great a connector, as we saw later on. We did see that later on. Speaking of connectors and pep talks and hardliners. The Dickon and Mr. Tarly hardliners, I'm not going to bend the knee, even though we sold out Oleana Terrell like two weeks ago and to join Cersei's team, but now, but now we've had enough. Yeah. It reminds me of two, like two jabronis from the Freedom Congress in, in Congress, or whatever Congress, whatever caucus our listeners may or may not like on their own. Um, way, to, way to not bend the knee when that was literally the only option. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't provide a lot of leeway, and... Quite honestly, I was. I understood uh, Tyrion's. Uh, he's torn. He's torn in a couple different ways, and he's emotional because he's seeing, well, you know, for obvious reasons. But you know, she gave. She did give an out. They were fighting against her. She gave him an out, and then she gave him like a second and third chance to, you know, with a couple of reasons, and yeah. they didn't. Take, and you know, it is what it is. It's a tough. Westeros is a tough world, man. Well, uh, what we've and, learned, whether it was at the Wall with Jon Snow. Or with Ned Stark in episode one. Like, if you tell people 
you either obey whatever the rules are as the Lord liege, or I'm cutting your head off, or in this case, burning you alive with my pet dragon, my baby, Drogon. You can't you can't welch on that promise, or no one will respect you. Right. I remember when they were pull up, when they pulled out Randall Tarly, and they it started looking like oh, and a Dothraki came over, and you're like oh, they're gonna cut his head off. Or yeah. Whatever. I started thinking and was writing down like oh, you know what? After the uh, the tongue lashing that Randall Tarly kept giving Sam over the seasons, and you know he never came off as a good person. He was always you know a, a hardliner and not in, in the worst possible way. I started thinking, like, man, I really thought he'd have a worse death. And then when they added his son to the mix, and then when they burned them both alive via dragon, I was like, oh yeah, that's appropriate. I can, that that's that's true to brand for Game of Thrones. It's also very much in line with your Mister Tarly's star has risen a lot lately, and then he met a very quick and decisive demise. Seems to be the way the way the world over there. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, back back to and I know you you hate when I do this with the Ravens, but Jamie definitely took the express train back to back to King's Landing to talk to Cersei. Mm-hmm. Um, it, on foot, I guess. How did? Yeah, they had no horses. They were all dead, burned alive. That's surrounded fine. by enemies. Surrounded by enemies. Um, took the express train. Totally, that's fine. It's all good. It's all good. I mean, they had me be swimming two miles underwater in chainmail and not dying. I mean, whatever. But what do you make about the way that she took the news that Lady Tyrell killed Joffrey? I mean, Cersei can't even like. I love how I love how her answer was. I should have. I shouldn't have listened to you. I should have made her suffer. She still would have told Jamie that she killed Joffrey. That lady was not going to knock at the last word. That's how Lady Oleana ro- rolled. You know. I think. I feel like she's kind of lost her way. Uh, a little bit uh, in, in a lot of senses. Uh, she's still, she's trying to, uh, she's still idolizing her father and still hell bent on revenge. Uh, and it's not necessarily, some of the stuff is deviously brilliant, but it's not necessarily sensical right. uh, decision making. Um, and I agree with what she was saying is that they are, they are back to the corner at this point. I mean, she has nothing but enemies and you can't, you can't just say, oops, sorry, never mind. It is what it is. But uh, she's she's all over the place. And I feel like Jamie is the is her her foundation. And I mean, yeah. Can't quit you, bro. That's the only person she listens to. And if she's not listening to him, then she is unmoored. Correct. Now, stream of consciousness, let's just talk about this plan that Braun Brokers <laughs> – to get Tyrion smuggled into Westeros by Dav- Davos, of course. Um, they meet, they talk, and then though, but then Cersei's like, "Well, first of all, I knew it was happening, and second of all, actually, me and like Kyburn talked, and we also want to bend the knee for now to Danny." So, I, I, hit me with any of the broad brushstrokes or like flaws. I don't mean like flaws in the show, but like whose plan's more flawed right now? Like, is, is Daenerys getting the upper hand? Who's on double secret probation? Who's you know like the the plan? I still am not even sure of all of it. I think if I had some time and could diagram it out, I think I could, could figure it out. But the plan to capture a White Walker, bring it down to King's Landing to convince Siri. But first, you have to sneak into King's Landing and meet with Jamie to go convince Siri to meet you at all to, with the White with the dead White Walker. Um, it just seems very convoluted, right? Um, a lot right. of moving. Right. If anything, as we keep alluding to in this very short season, 
you guys had like six seasons of like not doing a lot that you could have totally given us some of this stuff. You know, you could have expedited all of it, but that's okay. That being said, they were able to fill at least 50% of the plant by the end of the same episode. So no question, which I like better. But now it's very much, it's more episodic. Um, I don't like the plan of, I mean, I know, here's my issue. If Jon Snow is going to go back north, and we'll get into the north in a minute, you know, he, I, and he, he already didn't, he already got to, to Eastwatch. So we already saw that in the show. So there's already trouble at Winterfell, and, and we'll get into it. But, like, John needed to go back through and, like, get some FaceTime. Or he needed to stay down with Daenerys. But, like, why couldn't we have just – he had that tender moment with Drogon, right? Yeah, that was great. Like, wouldn't it have made more sense if, like, we just had the breakthrough where, where John was going to start riding dragons? Because you know what would work even better than taking a boat to Eastwatch and then having a seven-man army walk into the land of the dead in the middle of winter? Why not fly – Fly a dragon up there. Fly a dragon up there. Burn one's legs off. Tie it up to the back of his talons. Let's bring him down. I mean, that could be done in a day. And Danny has to have a sense that he could do it after seeing him. And do you think she has a better sense that he is a Targaryen or part Targaryen after seeing him with a dragon? Because everybody knows the only Targaryens could be dragon riders. And even even out of there, not many. It's not a given, right. And now that she has a better sense that he's a Targaryen, is she more attracted to him now that he she thinks that he is an actual family member as Targaryens go? I was going to say it. Also, why are all the romantic couples in the show left incest-related? That's well, creepy. It's creepy. I mean, again, they've been getting us ready for it since episode one, season one. But I, to answer your question about her attraction level yeah. – uh, that's how Targaryens like to roll. And as I pointed out, I think last week, at least she's his aunt, if I'm correct, and not like a twin brother or a brother or even a first cousin. She's his aunt. Um, so not saying it's not creepy, but as the show goes. Are you advocating, Gavin, for aunt and we, you, that, that that's okay? We, 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 we have a long record in the filibuster freestyle of not condoning incestuous behavior, but we are saying – that when we go on wall, wine wall and dragons, we suspend some disbelief in what's appropriate and what isn't in, in Westeros. You can't judge the world by the norms that you and I live in. You have to judge it by the norms that are going on in that world. Right. Unfortunately, in that world, incest is also wrong. So we're sort of in a pickle. We're in a pickle, but it's a grayer area than twin brother and twin sister trying for the fourth time to have a love child. Yeah, there's there's a couple degrees better. It's a couple degrees better. Yeah, it's like manslaughter versus premeditated murder. Someone is still dead, and it is not okay. <laughs> okay. Moving on. I can't wait to have this conversation every week, every episode for the next uh, nine episodes. We've got nine left, right? All right, Jorah Mormont's back. That's big news. Huge. Super happy to see that. I, I don't. I can't even put my head around it. I just enjoy it when he's in the fold and in good in Danny's good graces. Yeah. You know, I feel like they're in a place where all right. It's never going to happen romantically. Joris expressed what he wanted. Uh, it's it's not going to happen, and he's cool with that. He's he's willing to just serve. His life is saved, and uh, and he's like he's always been very cool um, and very uh, willing to battle and and do whatever. I, I appreciate that for sure. Good to see him. Uh, kind of a light moment. Varys and Tyrion were having a little horrible bosses real talk in the copy room, <laughs> aka the throne room. You know, it's Sunday night. Everybody's getting ready for a case of the Mondays, which you know I don't really believe in saying that, but in this case, even just, 
even Varys and Tyrion have a little bit of man. The boss is crazy talk, you know. Right. My I had a hard time with that scene only because one Varys is trying to do this baby face turn as if he's just always wanted what's best for the realm, and he's just he's just a good guy trying to do do what's right, and he's made some mistakes in the past. Yeah, but never like listen. He was the most weaseliest awful person the first handful of seasons he was the, like he could have he, we wouldn't even have to be here he, he could have saved Ned Stark in the beginning he was the one that kind of orchestrated all that stuff behind the scenes yeah I'm uh, not convinced that Varys I think Varys has one more heel turn in him uh, I totally agree I totally agree um, yeah it, it, somebody's going to from from Cersei's camp to Danny's camp, there's going to be a big defection or some sort of big like uh, somebody a shot from the back to the back of the head with a uh, steel chair, and I think it's going to come from Varys. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a stone cold stunner or two involved for sure. Probably. Um, and which, for those of you who weren't WWF fans back in 2000, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let me ask you this too. So Bran was doing some eavesdropping as the Three-Eyed Raven on the, the Army of the Dead, the White Walkers, the Night's King. What do you make of the Night's King? Pretty much has Bran's number, though. Like, he always knows when Bran's around, warging. I'm still, I, I guess we will see it probably in the last season. Um, Bran's powers seem to be very limited and not necessarily, you know, he, he got the word out that they're coming, but shoot, we already knew that. Whether they were 200 miles or 20 miles away, he, he was able to clear that up. But, yeah, the Night's King is, is just all over him right now. It, it, you know, is stomping all over him. And I, I'm curious to see what Bran does at some point to be like, oh, yeah, I do have real serious powers. Correct. And maybe we're going to, I mean, hopefully. I think we both would admit that. We're going to see that. I'm sick of watching Bran get dunked on by the bad guys, you know? Yeah. Exactly, he's he's getting posterized by the Knights King. You know, you know, he's the guy. He's the stiff. Week in, week. What was that? Yeah, week in, week out, he's getting posterized. I totally agree. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm sick of him being on Sports Center and being the butt of the highlights joke and not the highlight himself. Yeah, his special power is that he can see in the future him continually getting posterized <laughs> and still doing it anyway. Okay, yes. <laughs> speaking <laughs> speaking of people who have powers that are beyond the scope of who they seem to be. Sam Tarly, once again, in the right place at the right time to hear an important conversation because the Meisters, the Archmeister, had gotten a note from the Meister at Winterfell. Bran had said, hey, these White Walkers are real. And Sam pulled out the obvious point like, hey, this crippled kid survived in the North for like five years and he's back and saying these are real and we're not going to take it seriously. And like true liberal arts professors in their ivory towers – the Meisters are like, eh, but maybe we'll deal with it next week. Eh, maybe theoretically. The elites. Academic elites. With their, with their, uh, you know, when you have your, your jacket with the, uh, the, well, the thing, patches, yeah, the patches, patches over the elbows, smoking your pipe, you know, reading, reading Plato, thinking you're so darn smart. When the real world problems are here right now, Sam Tarley's trying to save them. What did you make of Sam is packing up Gilly and being like, we're out of here? Where's he, where's he headed? Is he headed back to the Night's Watch? Well, the good news is if he passes through the Reach, he'll find that he's inherited all of it because the Tyrells are dead, the Tarleys are sworn to Cersei, and his parent, his dad, and his brother are dead. That's right. He, I forget. He left without finding out that his, uh, he's the male heir to the Tarly. The he's Tarly. the new lord. He's really, technically, he's the new warden of the South. 
Holy cow, that's right. Technically, Sam is the new warden of the South. I'm not saying it's even going to matter to anybody besides me, apparently, and I'm telling you, but technically. That is very interesting. How how do you think he's going to take the news? Do you think he's going to be upset, or do you think he's still going to be eyes on the prize, White Walker? I think he gets that there's a bigger problem than his dad who hated him being dead. And, and honestly, did Dickon even – Dickon didn't even exist in the books, I don't think. He certainly had not been introduced in the show during Sam's visit back to Horn Hall like a season and a half ago. So I don't think I he's going to be too broken sure. up about it. Yeah, I mean, sure, I guess it's sad, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to tear up about it. Correct, correct. Um, yeah. All right. Quick. About Sam and Gilly, I feel like Gilly got a makeover. She looked good. Gilly has continued to just improve mentally, physically, spiritually. She's a great reader. By the way, oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. She was about to confirm in that guy's notes that seemed very. Yes, that that Rhaegar and Lyanna were actually married. The baby, who is Jon Snow, was not a product of any forced thing, but they were really in love, and it was. A real thing. Which now, means he's a Targaryen Stark. He's a Targaryen Stark. Legitimately. Legit. Exactly. And and even though Sam has been right all the time, Gilly found her golden moment and Sam cut her off like a true jackass. Real that misogynistic was, move, Sam. That was a great little Easter egg for the fans that, that are following that. Talking about, oh, there was some other... I, I love that moment. Um, yeah, I would have forgotten it, actually. It's yeah, so I had fun. it written down, and I almost forgot it anyway, and you brought it back up, but Gilly literally just found the fact that Jon Snow was legit, a legit, not love child, but baby of two people who were secretly married after an annulment of what I guess would be Rhaegar Targaryen, and I forget who his regular wife was. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Probably his sister. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. It's <laughs> of some kind. Um... All right, let's go to. All right, let's see here. Well, I, you I, know what we haven't covered, I think, or the one, the main part we did haven't covered. The North, Winterfell. Yeah, yeah. go for uh, it. What do you got? Well, probably the the reason neither of us have brought it up earlier is because, for me personally, it's the most depressing storyline going on right now. Um, it's not. I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's fine. It's just not fun. I, I don't enjoy. Watching Sansa uh, sulk and and the the Northern men are such bandwagon bandwagon band, they're like Mets fans. Oh my God! I could like they're they're with Jon Snow. They hate Jon Snow. They love him. They love Sansa. They it, it just they're all over the place, and they're, they're like children. And Sansa, like Arya, called her out. Did not do anything to try to you know. To support Jon Snow publicly, she was very. Uh, she kind of threw him under the bus a little bit. She could have done a lot more, much like some other leaders who have made public. Correct, statements. correct. Very, very, very well put. Uh, and I feel like the whole storyline is, you know, Arya, who we all love, and every time she's in a scene, she's killed so many people in the last in this season and her big comeback that I'm still expecting something bad to happen to her. Um, now there's. There's become too many Starks on the board, you know? Yeah. There is Sansa, there's Arya, there is Jon Snow Stark. Uh, and it's a lot of Starks. Oh, here we go. Well, Jon's going into a bad way. I mean, he's heading up to Eastwatch. He's heading north of the wall, all right? So. And some good men are going to die out of that Motley crew. That was a cool good Yeah, let's, let's, save the, let's save them for the end because I want, 
I love a lot. I can't. There's not a guy in that crew that I don't have at least some fondness for in some way, shape, or form. Okay, and we're making pretty good time as it is. But oh, nice. Couple questions for you. Number one, what do you think the note that the scroll that Meister Lewin recorded? Do you think it's another confirmation of Jon Snow's true lineage? No. All right, and this does help from Darrow O'Brien, the new, new new recruit to Game of Thrones, who's watching it with me. Nice. Uh, and uh, you know. It's, Toss a couple things in there to help her keep up because she's heard about it for a long time. But mm-hmm. she saw at the bottom of the note it, the note that Arya found in Baelish's Littlefinger's room was from Sansa. Correct. All right. So I didn't catch that. I was watching the middle of something. I was trying to read the middle lines. If if you want to listen to a podcast that's not that's not recorded directly after, we could pause it and read the whole note, but we didn't. Right. That note, I have zero doubt, especially given that Littlefinger was standing outside the room afterwards, was planted by him to to break up Sansa and Arya further. Littlefinger knew that Arya was following him, um, and he planted that note under there. I think it's a fake note. Uh, so that makes me mad, and I'm not pleased with it. I don't know exactly what it says, but I bet the contents are BS. Here's my guess based on what you just said to me, because I did see it was from Sansa, and I actually was reading some of the lines, and it said, died of his wounds. Look at you. Something said he died of his wounds. So, Bran. Yep, and that's where I was going to go. Bran died of his wounds. Now, here's what's going to happen. Again, I don't even care about the storyline, other than like, (laughs) but like. I care about Arya, but I hate Littlefinger. I don't really care. I just feel like as good as Littlefinger thinks he is, I just feel like Arya's training that you and I made fun of all the beginning of last year, that she was in like year seven of like a PhD program that no one cared about. Like she picked his lock with a stick. She relocked it with a stick. She's going to pull some faces. She's going to rip it. I just, I just, I know there's a really good chance she's going to go or get framed or something dumb, but screw Peter Baelish, man. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) Arya has been stunting on pools all season. And I feel like Baelish her and Baelish are going to come to a confrontation. One of them is going to die at the end of the season. It's going to be him or her. And I worry that it's Arya. Also, is there a character, even Cersei, is there a character in the entire world, in this entire world, that you want to see die a more horrible death than Peter Baelish right now? No. Yeah, even Cersei. Like, I want, I want Baelish to suffer. And he saved the whole crew last year and I can't explain that yeah they saved the whole crew because it made sense for him to save the crew and you know now it makes sense for him to kill some more Starks like he tried to do I mean that cutthroat thing with Bran that, that thing's coming back he wants Bran dead because Bran knows what's up yes it's a, I think you're, I think you're onto something in this and let's just move on let's move on because I, it's it's either going to be an awesome ending Here, here's the one thing I'll say just to go on the record again right Dan Reddle stop texting us we gave you props Ladies and gentlemen, I don't even know if the sound cut out or not, but Dan Reddle keeps texting Dan and I, even though he knows we do the show live afterwards. He always watches it 20 minutes behind. We love you, Dan Reddle, but stop texting us between the hours of 10 and 11 Eastern. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Love the enthusiasm. Love the enthusiasm. Love the theory that we broke at the beginning of the show, and you are the filibuster freestyle football champion. We love you. Just don't text us between 10 and 11. Anyway. We're working. We're working here. Okay. Sorry. Diatribe. I love the guy. Anyway. Season start that episode started, uh, or maybe the season started. Remember the beginning 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The season started, and Arya showed up and killed all the phrase, right? That was great, yeah. And you basically said that was some red meat for the fans because it's probably going to be a pretty sad season, right? Yes. What if a lot of bad things happen in the next two weeks or whatever, but the last thing we see is an Arya bookend where she slits that Baelish's throat. Could you live with that? Yeah, totally. I could totally live with that. My fear is that these next two episodes are going to be the Empire Strikes Back part mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones and that it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Collectively, um, yes, for sure. Yeah. And that we know that for a fact. I, I, I hope it's not. Well, I who knows? It is what it is. Maybe maybe it's just going to get be bad the next couple of weeks. Could be short season. Leo's hanging for a year. It's interesting. All right. Speaking of leaving, is hanging for most of the year. Tormund, good to see you, buddy. He's back. He's got quips. He's got jokes. Best. So fun. Did you have a feeling that when? Tormund said to John, you guys aren't the only ones who want to go north of the wall, that it was going to be the Hound and Beric and Thoros of Mir? Yeah, because we, well, we knew when we saw them two episodes before, we knew they were headed to, to Eastwatch. Yeah. That's what, that's what they saw. So I, I was excited. I forgot about it, but I was excited. That's how they introduced them. Oh, we found these guys a mile south of the wall. Also interesting how they use the same measurements as we do, miles. Yeah, but that's actually really funny because when I was in Europe earlier this summer, nobody understands miles and nobody understands Fahrenheit either. But, you know, luckily in the game, Westeros also uses the English, the formerly English, now American measurement system. I appreciate that. They're correct when they do that. <laughs> okay. So you got, look at this, this band of dudes is awesome. You've got Tormund. It's the best group of people in seven seasons of the show. You've got Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. You've got Gendry slash Gendry. However, you tomato, tomato. Was swinging that big hammer. You got Jorah Mormont. Awesome. You've got Beric. You've got Thoros, the Hound. The Hound. You have the Hound. Thoros of Mir, Beric Dondarrion, the Hound. These are all people who have won like major battles by themselves. Yeah. And they're all coming together. These are awesome people. Actually, and also, Beric, out of Beric, Thoros of Mir. Jon Snow, and if you count Jorah coming back from Grayscale, yep. you four people that have come back from the dead in that group. Not bad considering you're about to fight now I'm going to be dead. Yeah, and that has to help you somehow. Plus, Thoros of Mir has a top knot, a.k.a. a man bun, and that's got to count for something. Hey, the, the, a, a bald top knot. A bald top knot. You're not fooling anybody, says the Hound. <laughs> all right, so somebody in that group is definitely going to die next week. Maybe yeah, almost all of them. Going to die, and that makes me really sad. Who is the one person you don't want to die out of that group? Outside of Jon Snow. Yeah, because Jon Snow moved the. Well, I think the most expendable guy, unfortunately, is, is, is Gendry because he he's he came up, he came in like a phoenix. He's been gone for he's been literally gone since season three. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I uh, so I, I think Gendry's. I think, but hmm. See, I I already thought the, the Hound was dead once, but I I want to see the Hound reunite with Arya one last time. I would hate to see the Hound die. I want to see the Hound have a final tete-a-tete with the mountain. Yes. That's got to happen, right? That has to happen, I think. So I think he's going to live. The one person who I do think may die next week, which really upsets me, is Tormund. Uh, See, I thought Tormund was going to die this week, so I'm actually glad to have him for another day. You know what I mean? But yeah. yeah. He's been a a little, little bit of light every scene he's been in since he started, quite honestly. Um, and yeah. I would have liked him and Brienne 
flesh out a relationship a little more. Uh, I loved how he brought up, uh, did you bring the big woman? <laughs> it was a great line. So many great lines. So many great lines. Um, all right. I'm going to do something we've never done before, which is you know, Dan did just text us in the middle of our podcast, and I want to give you his three takeaways. Okay. He writes, all right, one, who is that dude Davos found in King's Landing? All right, Dan, Ruddle, <laughs> it's Gendry's last Gendry. You're showing, you're showing your amateurism there, buddy. Nope. Number two. Who okay? He wants to know who kills whom. Are you a little finger? Great question there. Way to bring it back. Number three for do or die for Dan Rattle tonight. Do all the dudes north of the wall have Valerian steel weapons? I think the answer is no. Definitely no. So there's some trouble there. Who, hey, great who, question, who, Dan. Great question. Yeah, great question. Who who does have Valerian steel there? I think just John. Snow. Just Johnny Snow. Yeah. Going back to my see, and I don't know if Gendry can die because I think he's got to mold all those. Dragon but, glass things into swords for people to kill people, to kill White Walkers with. But Beric Dondarrion's fire sword, and also in the books, it was, I don't know if Beric definitely did, but I know Thoris Amir used to fight with a sword on fire. Yeah. Uh, in the, so I would assume he would have one too in this. Maybe this special sword has some power over these guys. Correct. And also the hound is the hound. He doesn't need a special sword. I mean, something tells me he can... Man... I don't know. And we saw them running. I don't see the hound running that fast. Yeah. The hound's going to go... If he doesn't... If he does die, which I will be very sad about, he's going to die a hero's death like Hodor or something like that, like saving everybody else. Can I give you a super, like... Because we see them running for, like, their lives in the scenes from the next. Right. Which was... The scenes from the next were... Very compelling. Yes. They did a good job of making sure that if I wasn't sure I was going to watch next week and do a podcast about it right afterwards, <laughs> that I definitely call, am now. I'm going to call it quits after, you know, 67 episodes. I think I'm out. You know what? I'm out. I'm out. Nothing enough for me. I've never forgiven them for Ned Stark. No. Um, <laughs> so I think something awesome. I think they're running towards something awesome. And by that, I mean whatever is going to save whoever that gets saved. I think they're running towards that. Like, does Danny show up on a dragon? Does Bran send a bunch of, like, ravens and eagles and wolves to, like, just, I don't know, get in the way for a hot second? I don't know. No, Gab, I think you are 100% on to something, and it can't be a spoiler because we don't know, but what the heck are they running to? Because they have... They, There's nowhere to run. run. There's nowhere to run. Something has to come save them. What could cover all that distance and kill a good deal of White Walkers really quick? Two uh, words, Drogon! Drogon, or maybe even better, Rhaegar the dragon named after Jon Snow's dad. Who maybe has a connection. Maybe yeah. the dragon knows Jon's in trouble because like Snow, uh, the ghost used to do. What if Ghost is there? Dude, uh, there's so many what ifs. Love it. Ghost? Ghost still hanging out in Winterfell, just sitting in a cage? I feel like Ghost is on vacation, man. Speaking of guys we haven't seen in a while. He's ghosted us. Um, <laughs> Hence the name of the guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, but it was, a, it was an episode that was filled with a lot of that great exposition moving the, the, the story forward. Correct. I feel like a great season so far. Yes. It's been a quick, fast-paced season, which has been tough to, to get used to, but very enjoyable. We love it. We love yeah. it. All right, man. Well, we're going to come back next week. I, I, I predict more bad things to happen before good. Uh, I think we covered everything. 
Going to go no theme song tonight to the listeners. I know you guys haven't heard it in a while. I don't think you're going to be too broken up about it. But Wine, Wall, and Dragon, filibusterfreestyle.com. Uh, any questions, text us during the show like Dan Rattle does. No big deal there. And uh, I want to yeah, give props to Cindy Harrington for her cameos last two weeks. Thanks, Cindy. And want to give Dan O'Brien and his, his wife, who's now the newest fan of the show, seven seasons in, Dara. Way to jump on the train. Speaking of bandwagon fans of the North. Oh! He hates them as a social phenomenon. Who, do, who, who, who does? Who likes to do that? Anyway, Dan, stick around for a second. We'll catch up. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. And episode six next week. Here we go.